What's going on, everybody? It's Honorado and Miller, Chris Honorado, and still on the clock here Thursday night as we do the show live streaming to News Channel 13's Facebook, YouTube, and X, and of course, the couple of ways to catch us on TV over the weekend, Saturday nights at 6 on my four Sunday mornings at 6 on News Channel 13. A lot to get to on this week's show, and it's just a little bit of everywhere, right? Because even though the NBA and college basketball are fully, and of course NHL, fully in season, we still have some college football to talk about. We still have some baseball to talk about, and we'll get to that. We also have a couple of really fun guests on the show. Black Violin is a hip-hop duo coming to the Palace Theater. If you don't know them yet, you, you want to see this interview, and their performance on stage is incredible. We'll bring you that. We're talking with Will Baptiste from Black Violin uh, as that duo comes to the Palace Theater late in March. We'll talk with EJ Gallup. He's the head men's basketball coach at Fulton Montgomery Community College. Another great season out there for the Raiders. They just finished up the regular season. We'll talk with the head coach here on this week's show as well. A 12-team college football playoff may not be good enough. I warned everybody about this. It becomes a slippery slope. I already don't like where this is headed, and spring training is rolling. Some Ian Anderson news, and of course, the Mets with a pitching injury. Let's go. It's on Arado Miller. This is Honorado and Miller, sponsored by Alpen House. Shout out to all those local business partners you see on your screen. Alpen House, Saratoga Eagle, Marcella's Appliance Center, Novice Performance Industrial. Great support on the show each and every single week. Keeps us going here on Honorado and Miller. All right, let's get into this, which I, I, I already didn't like, as you know from watching this show already did not like the idea of expanding to 12 teams with the college football playoff. But it's where we are. And yes, maybe, no, I don't think it's better than four. I was going to concede maybe it's better than four. It's not better than four, and I'll point out why in just a second here. This is the situation, though, we'll break it down for you. Top five ranked conference champs, and then the next seven highest ranked teams. So you would have had teams like Florida State get in, obviously, right, with a 12-team with a format last season. And I'll show you the first-round matchups here. The top four seeds would have been the four teams that got in, and then the next eight are going to have to play. So what it does is it gives us more football. And if you say to me, hey, Chris, I just want more football, then I'll concede 12 is better than four. But if you say to me, I want more good, competitive, meaningful college football games, then expanding the playoff is not good for the sport. It devalues the regular season. You no longer, and you can take either side of this. To me, I love that if you lose one game, your season's in real jeopardy. Now, if you lose week two or three, and you're not an SEC power that's going to finish 11-1, and one, like, you're probably thinking like, well, we're done. And so maybe that is the only downside I can see is that losing there wipes out the rest of your season. Or losing two wipes out the rest of your season. Whereas now you can lose two games and still get in. You can lose late and still get in. 
with 12 teams. The only benefit that I see. So again, the five top-ranked conference champs, the next seven highest-ranked teams. This doesn't get us more good football or more competitive matchups. It just gives us more football. Okay. This is what we missed out on. If 2023-24 had the 12-team college football playoff format, this is what we missed out on. Oregon-Missouri. Anybody really fired up about that one? Maybe to see Oregon because of Bo Nix? Okay. Florida State Liberty. Anybody dying to see that game? Maybe you just say, hey, I, I want to see that game because it gives Florida State a chance to prove they, they deserve okay, to be there. Ohio State, Penn State, Georgia Ole Miss. Games we saw in the regular season already. Don't need to see them again. That Georgia Ole Miss game was a blowout, 52-17 or something like that. So again, more football doesn't mean more good football or more competitive matchups. I don't love it. I don't see a team on this screen that I would say that's other than Georgia, other than Georgia, that team could win the national championship. Not one. Georgia's the only one out of eight where I'd say that team could win the national championship in a 12-team playoff format. So what's like right, like what's the point kind of? In Major League Baseball, we have seen enough wild card teams get hot, go on a run, and win the World Series. It doesn't happen in college football. It doesn't happen. You get some of the a one-off, if you will, with a Washington here and there, but but they didn't win the title. Overmatched by Michigan. Not saying college football season's boring because we kind of know what we're going to get at the end of the year anyway. But I, I don't think you need to add more teams to the mix to prove really who the best team is. Of course. Of course. They're already discussing going to 14. You approve 12. 12 becomes 14. They will eventually look at 16, which is what the FCS level does. 16 teams already discussing an expansion in 2026 to 14 teams. Now, this is because you have four power conferences, if you will, with the dissolving of the Pac-12. You've got the SEC commissioner and the Big Ten commissioner saying, Look at all these teams. We have 16 and 18. We need more teams in the playoff so that our conferences, which have a lot of heavies in it, can be properly represented. The additions of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, the, the UCLA's and USC's and going to the Big Ten. Now we need more playoff teams because we're going to guarantee five conference champs and then the next seven highest ranked teams which would then in this case be the next nine highest ranked teams too much of a good thing i would say it's not really not really even that good of a thing i love college football but there is something to be said about 
the semifinals being played on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. That's special. That's fun. And then having that championship kind of out of the way, if you will, not dismissing it, but just have that cleared, focus on a Monday night, and then we all rally around the NFL playoffs. Instead, you're going to get some coinciding here. You're going to get some college football playoffs that run along with the NFL playoffs. I don't love that. I don't love that. I love the play- I love the semifinal games, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, how it falls every year. Love that. We're going to lose it. Don't love that. So I would say it's it's too much, and it's not necessarily a good thing always. The 14-team situation already being discussed for 2026. The executive director of the College Football Playoff Committee is Bill Hancock. He said there's work still to be done. So this is not just, hey, let's kick it around and let's see if this makes sense. This is we should go to 14. How do we get there? And everybody in the room is entertaining it. So it's going to happen. You knew it would happen. The college basketball field will probably expand at some point. Also, it's been a long, sat at 64 for a long time, been at 68 now for a long time. When do they find reason to go for more teams? When TV contracts dictate it, that's when. That's when they find reason to go to four more teams. And that is a big thing that this college football playoff committee is trying to figure out is, okay, how do we make this work for TV? What does the schedule look like? When are we playing the games? And, oh, by the way, how much are we getting all paid for it? ESPN just paid a lot of money. ESPN ABC just paid a lot of money for the college football playoff. So stay tuned on the expansion to 14 teams. Spring training is underway. We have a new record in women's college basketball and soon to be a new record in college basketball scoring overall. We'll talk about Caitlin Clark. Injuries in spring training, rehabs in spring training, and a comeback on the way as well. Black Violin is one of our guests here. His name is Will B. He's half of that hip-hop duo coming to the Palace Theater in Albany at the end of March. E.J. Gallup is the head coach of the Fulton Montgomery Community College men's basketball team. Another great year for the Raiders squad. We're talking with Will B. and E.J. Gallup later on on the show. We're back in a minute, though, with that new record in women's college basketball. It's never too early to plan your family's next summer getaway. And a visit to Alpenhaus during our preseason sales event is your ticket to creating unforgettable memories in the great outdoors. Jumpstart your camping season with an exceptional deal on a Coachman Catalina, all yours for only $153 a month. Or save thousands on this Thor Class B motorhome, crafted for spontaneous getaways and family retreats. Imagine all the cozy evenings and stories you'll share. Visit Alpenhouse during our preseason sales event and get a head start on your camping season. Alpenhouse RV, your total camping outfitter. I don't care what kind of stories that's been told on you. That may be a lot of things in life you used to do. Six carbs and 95 calories. And now, back to Honorado and Miller. Sponsored by Alpenhaus. 
Andy Heck and Katie Osborne, the entire Heck family at Alpenhouse. So good to us every single week being part of this show. Hey, talking about good, Caitlin Clark is pretty darn good. And it's just kind of interesting how commentators and, yes, generally male, find their, at least one of their feet in their mouth when trying to describe what Caitlin Clark is doing. Historic what she is doing. Broke Kelsey Plum's all-time NCAA women's scoring record while also scoring a career-high 49 points in a win for Iowa over Michigan, and the three-point shot she made to break the record was insane. By the way, let me can I side, can I just, can I table this for a second? I was going to avoid NBA All-Star Weekend altogether just because the game is a joke. And it, it has garnered way too much airtime trying to fix this thing or bashing it or don't watch it, right? Like, I don't know that it can be fixed. The The NFL thought we need to do something different for the Pro Bowl. Are you watching flag football? Maybe you are. I'm not. Are you watching flag football? Not interested. So I, some things just cannot be fixed. And the NBA All-Star Game currently is one of those things. And West you're going to, which is what they do with the in-season tournament, put a hefty bonus payout, whatever, to players to incentivize competition, you're not going to fix it. It's money. The in-season tournament doesn't work if there isn't real money attached to it. Okay? Period. Now, let me just briefly touch on NBA All-Star Week. How cool was the Steph Curry, Sabrina, UNESCO three-point shootout. It was awesome. It was awesome. If you made NBA All-Star Weekend just a showcase of competitions and events like that, I'm in. I'm in. And the dunk contest isn't half bad anymore. I've always loved the three-point shootout. It's just the game that stinks. All you really need is Saturday night. That's it. Anyway, the UNESCO Curry thing was legendary. It was so good. And it lived up to the hype with how well Sabrina shot it. And then Steph had to be great on the final rack in order to beat her. Lived up to the hype. That was a lot of fun. Okay, back to Caitlin Clark here. This woman's insane. What she's able to do on a court is ridiculous. She holds the women's record. She's going to break the men's record. And then wait until you see the reaction on social media from mostly men when she breaks Pete Maravich's scoring record. I'll put him out here, okay, because I know people are going to shout at it. She's played so many more games than Pistol Pete. Pistol Pete didn't even play as a freshman at LSU. Freshmen weren't allowed to play. So Maravich scored. Here are the numbers. He's got 98 points more, 36-77, I believe is the number, 36-67, okay? He did that in 83 games. Crazy. Clark has played 126 games. So 40 games more, more than 40 games, than Pistol Pete played. Okay. But we don't look at the home run. I mean, some people do, I guess, look at the home run record and say, well, they're playing more games. Yeah, okay. Uh, history tells the story eventually. But at the end of the day, Caitlin Clark is going to have more career points than Pistol Pete. Period. 
She has four regular season games left. That includes a game Thursday night as we do this show. Okay. That's against Indiana at Indiana. Now, Clark's average for the season is 30, 33 points a game. She needs 99 to break the record. That would tell you that at the final buzzer of that third of four regular season games remaining, she should have the record. My guess is it comes in maybe game four. And the head coach at Iowa has made it known, hey, we would love for her to break these records at home. That third game, the next three, that last one is at Minnesota. You then return home for the season finale. My guess is that's where it happens. But she will get the record one way or another. Okay, so that's that. Let's appreciate the greatness. Let's appreciate how unique she is as a player. Let's just appreciate that for a little bit and not make it kind of more than it is, which leads me to this. And now, Dirty, Difficult, and Done. Sponsored by Performance Industrial. Bill and Karen Miller and their entire team at Performance Industrial, never a job that's too dirty or too difficult for them to get it done. Speaking of dirty, that's Austin Matthews. Fastest to 50 goals in a season since Mario Lemieux in the 95-96 season. The guy is insane. He's on pace to go over 70. He could get to 75 or 6. He'd be one of three players to do that in NHL history. Insane. When we talk about greatest American-born hockey players, he's right there. And he may just take the number one spot when all is said and done. Insane what Austin Matthews is doing this season. Enjoy that, Toronto. We're back with uh, Will B. from Black Violin, EJ Gallup from FMCC to follow. Back on Honorado and Miller right after this. I don't care what kind of stories that's been told on you. That may be a lot of things in life you used to do. carbs and 95 calories. At Marcello's Appliance Center, our commitment is to you, providing essential appliances that families depend on for cooking, refrigeration, cleaning, and sanitation, plus appliance repair. You can have peace of mind that Marcella's is here for you today and every day, like we have been since 1957, helping you make the right choice with trusted brands like Whirlpool, Maytag, KitchenAid, Genair, and many more. Shop Marcella's Appliance Center in-store, online, or by phone. We're here for you. And now, back to Honorado and Miller, sponsored by Alpen House. Back on Honorado and Miller, and, you know, hey, I, this, this is becoming a theme where I say, like, we're a 95% sports talk show. Uh, but we use this certainly in the morning show on News Channel 13 as well. When you get an opportunity like we have right now to talk with one of the two members from Black Violin, we are jumping on it. This hip-hop duo is coming to the Palace Theater downtown Albany, March 29th. If you don't know about this group, and it includes more than just 
the two guys at the front. They've got a DJ, a drummer, a, a guy on keys as well. Uh, you definitely need to check them out. We'll play some of the videos as we go. Let's bring in one of those two members right now, Will Baptiste. Good enough to join us here on Honorado and Miller. Will, it's it's good to have you on the show, man. It's been so cool to learn more about you guys. Certainly, I'm aware of Black Violin, but now that you're coming to the Capital Region and to March, I've gotten to learn a little bit more about you. And I, I hesitate to say that like classical instruments were never cool, but how did you guys make them so cool? <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um we made it cool by making our making it ours. You know what I'm saying? We made it speak our own language, and that, and I credit hip hop for that. You know, hip hop is about expressing yourself and being fearless, and we did just that with these instruments that you wouldn't typically do. You wouldn't typically hear anyone or see anyone do it. And um, I think hip hop kind of gave us the the uh, the authority and the uh, confidence to to kind of like express ourselves in the way that we see, that we saw fit. You know. Did you think to yourself, hey, no one else is really doing this while we love hip hop and maybe the rap game or whatever? Like, if we take it this direction, we'll be one of one. We didn't think of it that way at all. Okay. And and again, I credit I credit hip hop because, you know, it's hip hop is about the moment itself. Like you're in the moment, you're expressing yourself. It's fun. You know, and for us, it was a lot of fun. You know, we didn't think that it was even cool. You know what I'm saying? We thought that it was just fun for us. You know, we hear something on the radio, a bust around beat, and there's, there's a violin melody on it. We started mimicking that melody, and then we start freestyling on top of it. It was just something that was just always fun. You know what I mean? Wow. We didn't think that we would make a career out of it, but um, it was something that was always fun. Until this day, that's what it is. It's fun. We just happened to do it for a living. And, and I think that's one of the main reasons why we kept playing as long as we have, because we made it fun. We made it ours, you know? Check them out on Instagram, and you can check out the duo as well. It's right there, those handles uh, beneath Will's name. Um, all right, so I'll play some videos here as we talk, Will. But when you guys hit the stage of the Palace Theater on March 29th, and the best way to get tickets, everybody, it's scrolling at the bottom of your screen. I mean, this isn't a classical performance, and I don't say that to knock you guys. Like, you could just play straight classical music. Uh, this is, it feels like a hip-hop show, and I'm watching it. It is. I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a rock concert, but just violins instead of guitars. I mean, it's it's a really impactful, inspiring show. It's it's loud. You know what I'm saying? We got the subs rattling. You know, it's a celebration. It's it's very it's not your typical classical concert whatsoever. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we have a DJ. We got a drummer. We got a keyboardist. Um, so it's just it's a very very <laughs> very different show than what you've used to. If you've gone to you know, a typical, you know, symphony concert for sure. All right. Well, so you're just describing, you know, what this kind of looks like and sounds like for people. Here's a little more of that video. Um, are you ever like surprised now you've been doing it for so long, but still, does it ever surprise you the audience reaction you get and how you fill places? It does a little bit. I mean, I think, um, you know, what we do is a lot of fun and it's really not a difficult thing for us. It's just, you know, something we grew up doing for, for a very long time. So the reaction from people, like we did a show the other day and there's tears coming down people's eyes and, you know, it's just amazing. It's, it feels good to be able to inspire and uplift people in the way that we have. And, um, and it's still a little surprising sometimes, you know, but it feels good. 
Who are some of your inspirations? You're a vocalist. You play the viola as well. Um, you grew up on hip hop. I'm a '90s hip hop guy. But what inspired you early on? Man, I was I was very immersed in hip hop, man. Um, you know, my early years of listening to hip hop, like Common, Talib. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Motown era type guy, mm. so I've listened to a lot of a lot of um, Curtis Mayfield, a lot of um, you know, just really sonically music that really were just warm and rich. You know what I'm saying? I just gravitate to that. And especially when I started playing the, the viola, I really started just kind of gravitating to that. And, you know, Bob Molly and, you know, just really, you know, artists that really had a story to tell and, and really, cause I'm a visual person as well. So, hmm. you know, I've always drawn to artists that storytellers, you know what I'm saying? Like Nas and, you know, yeah, <laughs> love storytellers, you know? Cool. Um, all right, give me a place, a venue, um, or an event. Maybe there's one of each that you haven't played yet that you want to play. Uh, let's see. Um, there's a place we haven't played Hawaii. It's probably the only state <laughs> we haven't played. And um, that's 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 definitely coming. Um, venue or a... Uh... An event. How about an event? Like, uh, you know, you know I, I'm just thinking like, you know, Usher at Super Bowl halftime, like put all yourself right. somewhere on an event stage where you're like, man, now now we've kind of done it all. That that part of it, yeah, the Super Bowl halftime show, you know, why not? You know, I think I think the show that particular moment, you have what, 13 minutes or 15 minutes to kind of like do your thing in front of millions of people. And I think at that moment, I think you know, it's almost it'll be difficult for us because like we got so much music. It's like how do we compact all of that in that short amount of time? But that would be it right there, man. A halftime Super Bowl show, Black Violin. You know, that would be kind of dope. All right, who are you bringing out with you? Who's gonna shock the crowd? Oh man, I think oh yes, you can do that, huh? I think we have to bring out Stevie Wonder. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> bring out Stevie, bring out, you know, Busta Rhymes. I, I know I think he's an amazing performer. Love to collab with him. You know what I'm saying? Bring out, um, let's see, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, I don't know. I think, okay. I think, yeah. I think um, you know, maybe a little strength section here and there. I think just make it really musical, you know, take people on a musical journey. I think from classical hip hop to all these different genres and, and just really show people what this, this instrument is capable of and, and really expand on it for 15 minutes, you know? It's every time I speak with a performer like yourself, we did an interview with Lindsey Sterling, who's a violinist as well. Um, and she does some, some crazy stuff on stage, but also like Broadway performers we speak with. I'm just curious, like, what do you do that's different than the average person and maybe even athlete to keep yourself in shape so you're able to play the instrument you play, but also be the singer that you are and still move on stage the way you do? Um, I think it, it comes down with consistency and discipline. Um, like for me right now, as soon as I end this call, I'm going to go to the Y and play some basketball, you know? That's kind of what I do on the, that's kind of the thing that I do on the road to just really stay in shape and move my, move my, you know, move these bones, you know, I'm getting older now. So, you know, so that's what I do to kind of keep in shape, you know, making sure that when I get on stage, cause I love to move around and jump around on stage. I don't want to pull nothing, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I do. 
And uh, also, too, I, I'm a vocalist, so I sing a lot. So I make sure that I'm not I'm not doing a whole lot of I'm not drinking, smoking, doing none of that stuff. Yep. So just to make sure that my voice is ready and making sure that I'm drinking plenty of water and, and, and doing the things that I know I need to do in order to perform at the highest peak that I can. You know, so uh, just, you know, just discipline and, and, and consistency. All right, again, the show is March 29th at the Palace Theater, uh, 8 o'clock with Black Violin, palacealbany.org, blackviolin.net. There are VIP opportunities as well available at this show. Check that out online. Before I let you go, Will, give me the scouting report on your hoops game. I, I, you know, I will say, if I wasn't playing this instrument, I'm just saying, you know, you know right. my favorite my favorite team is Orlando Magic, and they balling right now. And you know what I'm saying? I, listen, I just need a 10-day contract. Just let me show you what I can do. You know what I'm saying? I got a, I got a mean jumper. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm like 90% from the, from the three. I'm just, you know, that's what they say. People said that to me. You know what I mean? So I'm just... I'm just putting it out there. I like that. Bancaro is looking like a beast. Jalen Suggs is coming along. Yeah, that's that squad is growing. Yeah, man. Some young players that are just hungry. They they, they play aggressively and they play hard, which is, you know, you don't see that a lot with young players. So I'm, I'm I like I love watching them play. <laughs> this has been fun for me, man. Hope uh, hope it has been on your end as well. Can't wait to see you guys in person the end of March at the Palace Theater. Will. Thank you so much, dude. Safe travels. I know you're everywhere on this tour. Uh, hopefully uh, everything is well on your, your way into Albany as well. We'll see you then. Thank you, man. I appreciate y'all. memories start with Alpenhaus. Alpenhaus Ski and Board Shop, Amsterdam and Clifton Park Center. Teams. Athletes. Organizations. We're transforming the custom apparel industry through products and purpose. Claim your crown. And now, back to Honorado and Miller. Sponsored by Alpen House. College basketball season, believe it or not, is winding down, right? We're sad when the NFL season ends, and by the time that happens, hoop season is almost past us. So you got to juggle both at once. And uh, EJ Gallup has led Fulton Montgomery Raiders to another terrific season. Year three for our guy EJ, who's from Gloversville, played at UAlbany, Coastal Carolina, and another 20-win season for FMCC. Let's bring him into the program here. EJ, man, it's it's good to see you. Congrats on another great regular season. I know you've got bigger things in your sights and, and in your plans, but uh, how are you, man? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's crazy, dude. It's like season just started, and now here we are. Uh, tonight's our final regular season game, and then yeah. playoffs already. So, just like anything else, it goes really quick. Um, it's been, you know, it's been a really good year for us. Um, I think, you know, we're getting rolling at the right time here. I think we're on a, you know, 13, 14 game win 14. streak. So, yeah, 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 it's been good. I, I don't know. You know, sometimes as a coach, like, I don't know. Should, you know, 
would it be good to lose one before we go in the playoffs and get that feeling, you know, but I don't know. We've been playing, we've been playing really well, scoring the ball really well. I would like to get some more stops. Um, but you know, I, I don't know, man, when you're a coach and you get 14 wins in a row, you got to find something that you get mad about. And, um, I, I definitely have a bunch of things that still we need to work on, but I'm really happy with my guys. You guys are averaging more than 90 points a game. You're giving up. Uh, not that number, but I know you said you'd like to get some more stops, stops giving up more than 80 a game, but it's, it's up and down. It's a high scoring yeah. conference, no matter what, right? I mean, look at all your final scores and, and they're all up there. Um, you're seeing the jerseys hanging up behind EJ from his impressive pro career, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. I'm, I am curious though, from the coach's mentality, you, you mentioned it. So let's go there losing to maybe propel a team. And it's funny, like, that's what Andy Reid said. He yeah. thanked the Raiders for beating the Chiefs as badly as they did on Christmas Day, and he felt like from then his yeah. Kansas City team was completely different. I, look, you could spin it both ways. I'd rather win every time I'm out yeah. there, but but yeah. it does give you right from a coach an ability to reset your guys mentally, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes you just get their attention. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, you know, when you're rolling and you're winning and, you know, it's kind of hard, you know, the guys are thinking, well, coach, we're winning every game. So, you know, how, how bad can it be? Um, but I think, you know, I, I think there is something to it where, like, you know, you get their attention and kind of work on things. I think the other night we played uh, Duchess at home and they were ranked in the top 10 all, all year in the country. Very good game, a really good team, competitive game. And, you know, we had the game, I think we were up 10 in regulation with maybe a minute and a half, two minutes to go, and we gave it back and we ended up going to overtime. So yep. we did end up winning the game. But just in that little instance, in that end of regular, uh, regulation, I can some teaching points out of that, I got their attention, which was really good. Um, so obviously as a coach, you're just always looking to, you know, you know, keep improving, keep improving. And, you know, obviously you always want to win. You don't want to just lose just to make some points. But um, – you know, it is what it is, man. I mean, it's hard to win. It's hard to win college basketball games. Um, you know, our program in the past hasn't done a whole lot of winning. We, you know, we, we're trying to change that culture. So, you know, any win is a, is a big win, and we don't take them for granted. And, uh, you know, we just like to keep keep piling them up. What back-to-back 20-win seasons, I think you said, for the first time in 30-plus years at FMCC. Those stats are cool because I think it means a lot to my kids when they leave and they have something to look back on. Their, their names are always going to be in the books. But, you know, FM's had a good basketball program. They've had really good, you know, guys in the past that have led them and coaches and stuff like that. So I never meet it as any, any disrespect to anyone in the past. I think, you know, we're just, you know, you know, we've got a great group of kids. Obviously, college basketball is about recruiting and, and finding the right pieces and stuff like that. I mean, I've been really fortunate to uh, get the right kids in, in place here. And, uh, you know, we got something rolling. You, I, I almost said you were a great shooter. I think you, if you were, you always are a great shooter. You could probably go out there at 80 years old and set you up in the corner and knock plenty of them down. How many guys currently on your roster could you beat in a three-point shootout? Oh, they got no chance. They don't have, they don't have a chance. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be able to shoot it, man, until, until I can't, you know, until I can't use my arms anymore, I'll be able to shoot it. Now, playing defense and, and running back and dribbling and, and moving laterally, all that stuff yeah. and jumping is, is past me, but they, they can't shoot with me. Um, and I, I remind them of, a, you know, maybe once or twice a week. All right, who gives you the best run for your money out of this group? Um, yeah, so Donovan Rodriguez is our two starting two guard, and he he yep. shoots it really well. He's he's over. I think he's just about forty percent from three. He shoots, he's over forty. Yeah. Yeah. So and he shoots at a high number too. So it's not like he's only shooting two or three a game. I mean, he lets it fly. I have a lot of quick hitters for him. He's had two games over thirty points. He's had a couple buzzer beaters from three. 
Um, he's a he's a kid. I think he had like 12 points in under a minute. I mean, he gets mm-hmm. it going, and uh, he, he's a really good shooter. But you know, I get just that old man factor, dude. I've been doing it for a long time, so I get in their head a little bit, you know. That's yeah, it, it's, man. It's, you know it. That's it. <laughs> um, did you always? And I know you coach the money team in the basketball tournament. You played with Jimmer as well with Team Fredette in that tournament. Um, did you know coaching was in your blood? Was this on track for you? No, I know we know we, we when you took the job, I thought to myself, I don't think I've talked about coaching with EJ ever. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and we I got to do some games with you and do some broadcasting and I you know when I was done with the Patroons, I got to play till I was 38. Yeah. And, you know, I never I never wanted to coach. I wanted to like play and I wanted to be done and I wanted to ride off in the sunset and maybe catch a game on TV. And then we started doing some radio and I started doing a little TV. And then from there, it kind of just got into like, well, if I'm doing this, I might as well, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate to learn from some great coaches with lineage that have like, you know, like hall of fame type of basketball guys. Um, so I've been super fortunate to learn from some of the best. And I think just doing more games on TV and the radio, I was like, man, I could, I could help more on the sidelines than I can over here. So, and then um, I was just, I guess timing, I got done with the Patroons, I retired, and then the job at FM came open, and it was right here in, in my hometown, so it was super easy transition for me, and now I'm, t- you know, totally hooked, I got the coaching bug, and um, I love it, man, I love I love uh, giving back to these kids, these, these guys keep me young, um, and, uh, you know, I have a great, great staff of assistant coaches, and it's, you know, we have like a family atmosphere here, FM is, um, you know, it's, it's not the, it's not the biggest school, there's schools that we play with way bigger uh, enrollments and, you know, maybe fancier buildings and all that kind of stuff. But we have a lot of pride here in, in what we do in our small school. And I think we've, we've built something special. Have you, well, you borrowed, have you borrowed pieces from every kind of coach you've yeah. come across? Yeah, absolutely. You know, for me, um, and I don't really know if it's normal or not, but I, I, I literally talk to all the, every coach I've ever played for. I don't have a bad relationship with any coach I've ever played for. And I, you know, I'd be stupid not to take a little bit from every guy. Yeah. Every coach is different. You know, I've played for defensive minded coaches and offensive minded coaches and, you know, practice type of plans and, and players coaches and maybe not so much player coaches. And I've taken a little piece from all, from all of them. And then I can kind of reach back to them and, I, you know, after a game like the other night, I can, you know, a situation comes up. I, I call my old coach, like Coach Bean from U Albany, and he was at Cal forever. He was at George Washington with Mike Jarvis forever. And I talked to him, and then, like, you know, Coach Strickland was my coach at Coastal. He was just the uh, DeMatha head coach. He was, yeah. you know, he was under, you know, a great lineage of coaches. He was at NC State, he was at Clemson. So I have all these resources and these relationships that I'd just be, I'd be dumb not to use them. And, you know, I'm lucky enough that I can go back and talk to all these guys and get some, get some help. And, you know, I, I definitely don't, I don't go into it thinking that I know everything. I still have a lot to learn. And, you know, I have a lot of help behind me, which is great. We all turn into our parents at some point, and it's a dark day when that happens. Ashley will make fun of me when I act too much like my dad, and she'll say, Ron, you know. Yeah, yeah. Do you get flashbacks where you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, I'm becoming this coach I paid for? Yeah. I mean, I can tell in my guys, like, you know, like you said, we're on a winning streak right now, and I'll come in in the day just kind of thinking about what we did the day before, and I'll be a little more probably upset than they think I should be. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I always used to think like, you know, when we were playing well in college or overseas or whatever, and I was just thinking like, what's this guy mad about? What's he have to be mad about? Um, 
but I, you know, it's just how it is. I mean, I guess when you're a coach, man, you know, it never really turns off, you know, even at night when you go home and you're laying in bed, it's like you're running through plays and you're running through scenarios and how can I make this kid better and how can I make something easier? You know, so it just never turns off. And I guess, you know, that that's the kind of the kind of um, when that started happening for me is when I knew that, like, all right, I'm, I'm going to be a coach. Like, I want to be a coach and I want to see wherever it takes me, um, because I think it's it's just in me. I, I'm a very competitive person, whether it's basketball or ping pong or whatever it is. Um, but basketball for me, I just know, you know, there's a lot of times when you talk about stuff with guys and you don't really know what the heck you're talking about. But, you know, you're with the guys. Basketball for me, like I feel like I know what I'm talking about. It doesn't mean I'm always right, but at least I know I, I you know, I can have a good conversation with pretty much anyone about basketball just because of my experiences. So, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I'm just kind of I'm trying not to be, you know, I'm trying not to get too old too quick and be that old grumpy coach. Um, I'm still trying to be a player's coach. I think my, my guys would tell you I'm a player's coach. Um, you know, I'm just having fun with it, man. The Olympics has three on three basketball now. How would yeah. you do a three-on-three hoops? How? Yeah. Well, they did a great job by getting Jimmer first. So they have Jimmer, they have a shooter. So you get a big and you get a shooter and three-on-three, you're all set. You know? Yeah. Um, you would have fit into more. that if, 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 like, the basketball tournament were just three-on-three. I know. Well, I'm a little mad at Jimmer that they didn't call me as, you know, maybe their sixth or seventh man for, for that. I could definitely do that. Um I, I, we're going to lose Jimmer, obviously, for TBT this summer. Um, yeah. He's going to play in the Olympics uh, in Paris, which is, you know, awesome. If, if you guys you know coach Jim- again this summer, are you coaching again this summer? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We're gonna. I think this is going to be our seventh or eighth season in TBT. Yeah. Um, we 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 were in some talks, maybe some new sponsors and stuff like that. So we might have a new team name and a little new look. But it's something that our group of guys look forward to every summer. Um, you know, it's something that we go into the spring and start building our roster, and we start talking to guys like. You know, Trevor Booker, for example, is a guy who played eight years in the NBA. Yeah. He's made a boatload of money and he's retired, but he's still messaging me like, hey, Co- you know, what are we doing? What do we got? And it's like, you know, when you have guys like that that are that are invested and bought in and excited, man, it, it means a lot. And especially for me, like, again, man, like I'm from Gloversville, New York, you know. So to be able to coach Jimmer, Trevor Booker, you know, these guys that have spent five, ten years in the NBA and, I'm, and they're looking at me for – plays on the sideline which is pretty crazy and um you know it's 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 really fun for me in the summertime to get in there and that that type of locker room coming from like fm and and then to that type of level and then when i get back to school in the fall i kind of you know my kids ask me how it goes and how's the locker room go and how these guys act so it's it's really nice for me to be able to do both i kind of get to see both sides of uh you know or both i don't know ends of the spectrum i guess you would say did you ever get into what's that go ahead sorry finish up there yeah, so it's just something that, you know, something that um, I, I think I get to test myself. Like, you know, FM is Division three junior college basketball, you know, so and then I go from there to the highest level guys in, in the world. So it's something for me that really um, helps my confidence. You know, coaches have confidence levels also. So um, it helps me with, with learning things and learning on the fly and then also like, you know, just, you know, quick hitters and situations and stuff like that. So it's something I really look forward to. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be back at it this summer. Did you get ever get into Trevor Booker or somebody else a little bit bigger than you? And he might give you a look, and you're like, okay, all right. No, yeah, yeah. Well, if you, uh, Book is one of the nicest. I, I, I just think he's. I've signed him up as my personal bodyguard. So anyone has a problem with me, they got to get a hold of Book. But yeah, man, these guys, 
I mean, when you want to really talk about like professional basketball, even like to my kids, when I talk about going from junior college to division two or division one, and then they want to play professional basketball, it just comes down to size and like the size of the guys on the floor at TBT is like, I think that's, what's really cool about TBT is like fans can kind of get up close and see, you know, the, the really the speed and the size of these guys is, is just crazy. And that's how I always felt playing overseas is like, you know, I'm six three, six four, which people think I'm decent size, but I was a tiny guy on the floor, like overseas. So the size, the size stuff is really something that I try to teach my kids. All right, before I let you go here, um, heading into the postseason, which will be Region Three playoffs, is there anything you guys need to do differently, improve upon, in order to achieve the goal that you would like to certainly yeah. do same as last year? I mean, you guys, you, you've had crazy success just two plus years into this. Yeah, I think last year was nice because uh, last year we went to our region tournament with not a lot of expectations. I think yeah. we were the three seed. We ended up winning the regional tournament and then we got our uh, automatic bid to the tournament, to the NCAA tournament. Um, and I think last year it was really good for my guys, my, my freshmen that are returning to, to see the NCAA tournament and see this pace and the size of that and how it all went. And I think, you know, if we're being honest, then, that was a great goal for us is, was to get there last year and kind of see it and measure ourselves up. And then for me to recruit and then kind of build upon what we had. So I, I think that like, you know, for, for sure last year we were happy to be there. And I think this year we're going to be happy. You know, we're not going to be happy unless we go there and make some noise and win some games. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be 12 great teams there from all over the country. Um, obviously Herkimer is a great team right here in our region. And I, I really respect Matt and the program that he's built at Herkimer. So, you know, we don't take anything for granted. We, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, we score it really well. Um, so anytime you score it really well, it's just, you know, you got to get stops. You got to get more stops, um, you know, than they do. And um, I think we have a lot of firepower. And, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm much more confident, I guess, this year than I was last year going into it with our roster. Um, with that being said, last year's team, you know, set the foundation for what we're doing. So um, I think my kids are excited. Um, and, you know, the regional tournament is a good test for us to get into it. So, we're excited, man, and it's right down the road too. So we got the national tournament right in Herkimer for us, which is really right. cool. So we get some local fans and uh, and stuff like that. So it's going to be really nice for us. Awesome, EJ. Thank you, dude. So good thank to catch you, up with you, man. Continued success. Finish the regular season strong, and uh, and we'll check back in during the playoffs. Yeah, appreciate it, man. I appreciate you always checking in on me. I appreciate it. Never too early to plan your family's next summer getaway. And a visit to Alpenhaus during our preseason sales event is your ticket to creating unforgettable memories in the great outdoors. Jumpstart your camping season with an exceptional deal on a Coachman Catalina, all yours for only $153 a month. Or save thousands on this Thor Class B motorhome, crafted for spontaneous getaways and family retreats. Imagine all the cozy evenings and stories you'll share. Visit Alpenhaus during our preseason sales event and get a head start on your camping season. Alpenhaus RV, your total camping outfitter. The great thing about novices, no matter who you are, they're gonna put all the detail in the world into your brand. I feel like they have been a big part of my success, making me feel comfortable. This is Harrison Butker, Super Bowl champion kicker for the Kansas City Chiefs. Claim your crown. I don't care what kind of stories that's been told on you. That may be a lot of things in life you used to do. Six carbs and 95 calories. And now, back to Honorado and Miller.
sponsored by Alpen House. Another college basketball note here. How good is the St. Rose women's basketball team? We talked with Will Brown when he got the job. I think we were, I think it might have been Saratoga opening day. So go back to the middle of July when we had that conversation with Will. Ashley and I did live from Saratoga Racecourse. And he has coached these ladies to a 19 and 5 record, 11 and 1 at home. 15 and five in the conference. That's good for third in the NE10. He's recruited locally big time. Seven impactful local players for the Golden Knights. And I mean, just a shame that it's his first and only season on that sideline as St. Rose uh, as an institution will close after this spring semester. Two more regular season games to go. And then a run certainly through the NE10 conference playoffs. We'll see what happens. But a shout out to Will Brown on the job he's done with that women's basketball program. Really, really good. Again, 19 and 5. And it's a season that included a nine-game winning streak at one point, too. So they've just been excellent start to finish. All right, let's start with some spring training here. Our first baseball, our first real baseball conversation on the show is uh March 28th is opening day. And this weekend, we will have spring training games. Yanks are in action. My Braves are in action. A lot of teams playing on Saturday. So look for uh, those brief highlights that you'll find of, play, of guys wearing weird numbers. But uh, we're close. We are so close now to meaningful baseball. And we are closer now to Ian Anderson returning. He, he was quoted in some articles that you probably read nationally. Um Talked with Bally Sports South. Some of the quotes ended up in a Sports Illustrated article. Anyway, the timeline has always been midseason, maybe the All-Star break, but probably before, especially the way Braves GM Alex Anthopoulos is talking. And Ian said he feels really good and notices a difference. He's throwing from long toss from about 120 feet, not on a mound yet, certainly, but he's not far off from doing that. And then the rehab assignments and the minor leagues and all those things. But the Braves need a fifth starter at this point anyway. It looks like they need a fifth starter. Ian will have a chance to earn that spot. And the way the Braves operate, especially the way they're going to handle Chris Sale and Charlie Morton, I would think, for that matter. So two of the four guys who are are embedded in that rotation, Brian Snicker is going to give them some breaks. The Braves will use a sixth starter, not regularly, but certainly enough, where Ian will get his opportunities this year. The velocity was way down, the control was down, and and he just didn't feel right, is what Ian said. And then finally, they did some testing. I was like, yeah, you need Tommy John surgery, man. How long have you been pitching on this torn-up elbow? So hopefully it really fixes what was ailing him. And it, he just looked like a totally different guy from when he had great success in 2020, the COVID year, then 2021, helping the Braves win a World Series. Hopefully the surgery really does the trick here. So look for Ian's return uh, June, July of this season, uh, a guy the Braves could certainly use. And the guy that the Braves are quoted as saying is how excited they are at the possibility of getting the old Ian Anderson back. 26 years old. Good. I love seeing it. Absolutely love seeing it. There is another pitching injury here to talk about, and of course it's the New York Mets. Like Mets fans must just be thinking to themselves, what have we done to deserve this? 
the injuries they dealt with with DeGrom, Scherzer, Verlander even for brief periods of time, and now Senga, who had a, a, a great, I mean, great, well, we overused that, a really, really good rookie year as a 31-year-old, 12-7, and seven, an ERA under three, 298 to be exact, in 29 starts. So not only was he impressive when he was out there, he was durable. And the Mets need that more than anything these days. However, looks like he's going to start the season on the injured list with a right shoulder injury sent for an MRI, and it revealed a moderate capsule strain in his right shoulder. Certainly won't see him again in the spring training. Mets are already saying probably start the year on the injured list, and they'll have to ramp him back up. Rehab starts at the minor league level. So do we see him at all in April, right? March 28th is opening day. Do we even see him in April? Don't know. You have to already be thinking, Mets fans, what is going on? I want to have the larger conversation about Pete Alonso eventually, and we will, just not today necessarily. But are the Mets any better this year? Do you like them going into this season more than you did last year? Probably not. There are still some guys out there, right, who can make you feel better as a Mets fan. J.D. Martinez has been talked about with the Mets as filling a, a DH role for them. The Snells and Montgomerys and Bellingers and Chapmans probably don't fit what Steve Cohen wants to do from an ownership perspective. But a one- or two-year deal for J.D. Martinez – might make sense. Look at some of these names, though. I mean, this is February 22nd as we do the show on a Thursday night. And still, Cy Young winner Blake Snell is out there. Jordan Montgomery, who really played a big role in that Rangers World Series run, still out there. Cody Bellinger, who returned to an MVP form, still out there. And Matt Chapman, who is terrific defensively at third base, hits for power, still out there. Snell, Montgomery, Bellinger, Chapman, I believe, are all Scott Boris clients. Martinez could be too. I, I didn't check on him. But it's a Boris backlog right now in baseball's free agency. When do these guys sign? I have to believe... It feels like Montgomery's the first guy to go. Just to the top four. I'll leave Martinez out of it for a second. feels like Montgomery would be the first guy to go, and it feels like Texas is the place for him to go, to return. That gets done, then maybe things start to snowball from there for Snell. But, you know, these teams that need help, Bellinger can help. I just think the problem is the length of the contracts. Montgomery's not a super long deal. Snell was offered five or six. He wants more than that a year's. Bellinger's been thrown around the seven number. Chapman going to get, what, four or five? I, it's the length of these contracts that scare teams. It's not necessarily always the money. It's it's just being tied to a guy for as long as, as they want to be at this point. But some good names still out there in free agency deep into free, i mean we're spring training if you you know a team that signs snell and montgomery are teams that are ready to win now it's texas for montgomery it just makes more sense 
And, and I say that because, yes, these guys have been working out on their own. Yes, of course, they're throwing on their own. They have their own personal trainers and throwing programs and all that stuff. But in order to get them in and ready, I don't know that you see them for the first month of the season. We're a long way off. I get it from opening day, still more than a month away. But what momentum have you seen that any of these guys are signing anytime soon? It doesn't feel like you're going to have. And so these are teams that plan to be in the mix in October. So I'm not worried about Snell and Montgomery pitching for me in April necessarily. I want them on the back end. I need them there postseason, crunch time. See what happens. Names to watch, obviously. Look at what Giancarlo Stanton's been up to. Have you seen the picture of him next to Aaron Judge? He is majorly slimmed down. And basically he says, I need to be more reliable. I need to be thinner or leaner at least, lighter, still have the strength but not the bulk that maybe causes the issues of getting injured, spending time on the injured list, missing games, not contributing, these types of things. And so Stanton has slimmed down in a big way. Um, how much of a difference is that going to make for his season with the Yankees? I don't know. But if healthy, Judge Stanton and now the addition of Soto, who for me, I'll throw it out here now, we'll do our predictions, Major League Baseball predictions as we get closer to opening day. Juan Soto is my bet for American League MVP. I think he's going to wear out the short right field. And he's a he he will hit to all fields. He'll hit enough out to left field as well. It's short down both lines. I think Soto hits I'm sure what the number is in Vegas. Is he at 39 and a half something like that? That might be he's going to hit 40. He will hit 40 home runs. Soto's my pick to win American League MVP. And that would mean the Yankees have to do well, too. Are they good enough to win that division? Yes. Are the Orioles formidable? Yes. Are the Blue Jays as well? Yes. But I think the Yankees can win that division. I think Soto is a big reason for that. All right. That'll do it on this week's show on Honorado and Miller. Uh, enjoy the weekend, everybody. It was great having... Black Violins will be on the show. FMCC head coach EJ Gallup on the show as well. College football playoff, man. Still bothering me. I've been banging the drum. Leave it at four. Leave it at four. Maybe just go to six. I can live with that. Not only do they go to 12, and we knew that was happening, they might go to 14 as we talked about. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week right here on Honorado and Miller.